This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Welcome along everyone to the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Patrick Smith, and as I'm sure you're aware, you join me after Liverpool have slumped to a 3-1 defeat in West London to Brentford. An absolutely diabolical display from Jurgen Klopp's side and a scoreline which, if anything, flatters the visitors who were completely outplayed by Brentford, particularly in a first half which could have easily seen them headed and fall down. Despite Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain nodding home a nice Trent Alexander-Arnold cross at the start of the second half, Liverpool struggled to create anything of note, with midfield creativity something that is now a requirement, not a desire, if Liverpool had saved their season. Well, there's certainly a lot to get into with the reaction in Brentford, so let's get stuck right in. Firstly, we've got the Liverpool Echo's Paul Gore from the Community Stadium, followed by Jürgen Klopp's press conference, and then of course plenty of fan reaction from our brilliant contingent. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. The Bulls 2023 has started on a bitterly disappointing note after they were beaten 3 1 here at the GTEC Stadium by Brentford. Um, Goals from Brian and Buemo, Jon Visser, and Ben Mee to kick things off. Um, if they then Liverpool to another setback on the road. And it's one that Liverpool can't have too many complaints about, in all honesty. The hosts are fully deserving of their victory here. They uh, outfought and outthought their visitors and. Uh, Thomas Frank's reputation continues to show that's now victories against Manchester City, Manchester United and Liverpool this season. And as I say, the Reds can't have too many complaints. It's um, a disappointing one when you think of the results that have gone Liverpool's way elsewhere in the last few days. Obviously Tottenham dropping points, Newcastle United, um, Manchester City even uh, and Chelsea yesterday. But um, Liverpool didn't ever look like they were going to turn the screw in the race for the top four. They're now four points behind Manchester United, who occupy that fourth spot, and uh, the Red Devils have a game in hand. So, a massively disappointing result for Liverpool. Uh, they were two goals down at the break. Uh, ben Lee scored nearly on, and uh, Jon Visser, after having two goals disallowed through VAR calls, eventually heading one past Alison Becker. Yang made three substitutes at half-time, Naby Keita, Andy Robertson, and Joel Matup. Uh, all came on for Kostas Simakas, Harvey Elliott, and uh, Virgil van Dijk, um, and the changes had a bit of an impact. Cater probably had uh, probably the best of, of those three. Andy Robson was uh, a lot more um, capable going forward than Costa Simakasu and Jordan the day to forget. But Liverpool were only good for about 15 minutes after the second half, and uh, after he got back into it through Oxley Chamberlain's header from a fine Alexander Arnold cross, uh, Brentford would never really put under too much pressure after that. Darwin Nunes scored just offside. Uh, he later had another chance uh, later in the half, dragged the shot wide. Well, well placed. That's now 15 shots for the Uruguayans since he last scored for Liverpool, and that's a worrying statistic when you think the big money striker needs to be uh, scoring at a much better rate than that, it has to be said. But um, it wasn't his fault for the defeat. Uh, Liverpool were, were really poor across most areas, um, most notably in midfield, just once again being cut through far too easily, not much protection on that back four and it does raise huge questions now for Liverpool. Obviously Klopp was unable to bring on any of his um, his big guns off the bench. No Luis Diaz, no Diogo Jota, no Roberto Firmino, no Cody Gakpo. But it was a team and a squad that should have got the business done here uh, at Brentford. Um, they are of course one of the uh, the most physical and um, you know dominant sides and they do get a foothold in games, particularly here at home, but Liverpool if they are serious on qualifying for the top four, they need to win in these sort of games, particularly at a time when so many others have dropped points, but um, 
they can't have any complaints here. It was a deserved defeat and they uh, come away from West London having lost 3-1. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel. What will you put the result and performance down to today? So, the start of the game was really good. Um, we had top chances, could have, should have scored there already uh, before Brentford had their first corner. Um, I said, no, everybody, so I will say it again, and I know people don't want to hear that, but um, they, they use everything in these moments. That's why it's really difficult to defend. Um, but we'll, I have to watch it back, but we, we, I'm pretty sure we could have won probably uh, the header in the first post area. Then the ball goes through. Ivo couldn't see the ball even when he arrives there. Um, gets it on his knee and the ball is in. So, um, you know before the game that they're really strong there. Um, you cannot avoid all, crosses, all, all corners and these kind of things, but um, that's it. The game got decided by the second goal in the end, uh, which is absolutely our fault, nothing else. We get away with a offside or whatever it was. I don't know exactly, I couldn't see it back. Um, the, the, the second goal that's called was disallowed for offside, I think. Yeah? Ah, yeah, because it was in front of the goalie, right. So um, that's all okay, and then we are not awake when they just go directly against our, our line again, and um, they can cross the ball and they just score the, the second goal, and that decide in the end the game. Um, we had big chances in the first half, free header, Ibu, Oxley in the box, when Thiago chips the ball there um, on the chest, cannot control it, and of course then Darwin's and, and, and Costa's chances. And second half we start super, so exactly I go on, you have Robbo down the line, cross the ball and then you have the goal Darwin scores, which is just doing exceptional, but in the end it's slightly offside. And we scored this wonderful goal from Oxley, so that's all okay, and then with time and rhythm breaks and going down and a lot of time um, running down the watch without any football action, um, we lost precision, we were not that clear anymore, um, felt the intensity of the game. Um, and then in a moment when you try to settle again, we concede the third goal, which should have been disallowed um, because it's it's a full throttle sprint from two players, and um, when you then get a push in this in this moment, you lose balance and you go down. It's of course not a half foul or whatever, but it's just a, a little situation that whistled away. But Stuart Atwell sort of differently, and um, the VAR who checked it hides the they hide then generally in these moments behind the phrase it's not clear and obvious, and um, so third goal. So second goal decided game. Third goal shouldn't have been um, allowed. And we should have played better because the, the, through with these set pieces, Brentford has always the chance to to create chaos. That's what they do, and they do that really well. I respect that a lot, and it's really good and well organized and everything. Um, but we had a lot of chances in a in in, a, in not a top 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 class game, and um, still had these chances. And that's obviously what we um, what we know. We have to improve that and. Um, in other moments, the second goal is a present. It's a present to 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 Brentford, and that's um, yeah the one I'm obviously really angry about. The others one should have been disallowed. The others is is unlucky. So um, yeah, doesn't feel great. The BBC colleague, your BBC colleague, asked me how much below we are 
to last year, uh, and you compare the two games when we played 3-3 here, I thought we had tonight more chances than in that game. Um, and so that's okay. And the rest was at the same wild and chaotic game than that time. So they put everything in. We, we took the fight. It's not that we didn't fight, not at all. Um, but in the end, we are responsible for the, for the defeat. Did, did, did defending surprise you because you've been a lot better at the back, haven't you? Or was that more down to... What did, what did surprise well, you? Well, you've been so much better, more, much more secure in, in recent performances in defensively. So did the defending surprise you today or was it much more about Brentford's attack and play? You cannot really compare the, the different things. So, so the biggest, so like where it looked really that they can score the fourth one, it was after they were three one up. They, these counter attacking moments, and that we we threw everything um, up front. So, um, no, the, the the way they play is is clear. So, and the defending around the second goal didn't surprise me. It's just not right. It's just not right. So we, we they just chipped the ball in behind, and we we can deny the cross. I think with two players we are there doubling, but let him still cross the ball and then obviously in, um, they come, that they come with two players in the far post area, we, we knew before the game. Um, so you have to, you need to know where they are coming from and then you can step in. Um, but we didn't do that and um, that's why this goal is, is the one uh, we, sh we should have defended. But this has nothing to do with general defending. Um, you cannot defend long balls all the time. It's not what can you do. We, 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 they were super direct. Um, that limits them in some aspects. But for these kind of game, it gives them always a chance to create a real chaos. And that's what they do. And they organize that extremely well. Um, all my respect. Um, and um, so that's good. But you cannot defend that clear cut all the time, you have to fight as well. And you have to use your own opportunities because that's obviously their defending is now not like that they don't, uh, that the opponent has no chances. So I think it would have been no surprise if the game is 2-2 after 55 minutes or whatever. So And then from there, I would have loved to see the game. But it didn't happen um, because of us. And then when the third goal, uh, when, when they scored the third goal, then you could see after very intense games we had now, and this today was super intense as well, um, it didn't look like the biggest belief was there anymore. Chapman, the second goal. Hi. Hi. Just explain the substitutes at half time and the stand back an injury, or was that tactical as well? No, no. Um, both not, hopefully. So it's like um, virtual felt a little bit the muscle, and um, but that is fine, and he's a very good judge of these kind of things. But. Um, there was now. I didn't want to take any risk. Um, the officials were looked quite happy when I said we don't take risks. But I think it's, it's not an injury. It's just felt intensity. Um, yeah, and the other two things were tactical. We obviously had the opportunities. We could bring Nabi, who I think played a really good game, and and, and Robo. And Robo was with the first action after half time. Was directly exactly what we needed. We needed that um, that speed in behind. Um, um, and so that was the reason for these two changes. And just another one on, what did you say to the team at half time? Because you said they started really well in the second half. We started well in the first half as well. Yeah. So, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Look, look, nothing really special. We have to, um, we have just to, to, to remind the boys on the things uh, we, we, we need to do to cause Brentford the problem. So 2-0 is a result, it's good. for the One is 2-0 lead, but it's very dangerous as well. So, um, and I think we, we, we showed that immediately when when two one, we were much closer to score the equaliser than they were to score the third goal. But 
it stayed a big fight because they threw everything in again. Of course, they deserve to win. It's clear. Um, and um, but in the end, how said the second goal decided the game because going coming out of half time and scoring the equaliser would have been much nicer than um, just a, um, the the first goal. So um, that's it. Yeah, we lost. Yeah. How could it be a step in a different direction? Right. Sideways, sideways. Oh yeah, of course. So we can change our position only by winning football games, and that tonight is obviously opposite. Um, so we don't get, we didn't gain any points. Um, cannot take any kind of confidence. Can take nothing from it. But so, our um, side, we have to win football games, and um, that we. Have a lot of players not available in the moment, um, and that you can see that in changes. I mean, we change. It's now not that we have just a, can throw in offensive players and stuff like this to give somebody a rest or say, okay, come on, uh, you did enough for today. So they all have to pretty much have to fight through. Um, yeah, but that's the situation. No, nothing last, else. Last one at the front. So it must be very disappointing I didn't understand the second part of the question. That was, that was, it's very disappointing, yes, and then? And Thomas. Then what do you think um, the job that Thomas Frank has done at Oh, outstanding. He's not only a great coach, he's a nice guy as well, so um, it's not, it doesn't mean that we always agree on all the things that happen on the sideline, but um, I, I respect the work he's doing a lot. When I say they, they, and they do, when I say they stretch the rules in offensive set pieces, don't get me wrong. So you, that's smart, but they do. If you would, if you would single out all the situations, you would see find five fouls. But because it's so chaotic, nobody sees it in the end. So um, and that's what they do, and it's really good. It's really really good. And and how they how they react on different things, and they play against us like this, and they play against other teams playing football, and it's a fantastic job he's doing here. The club can be really happy that he signed until 2037 or what? It's really long, right? Um, so, um, yeah, great club, great atmosphere. Everything, everything is good apart from the result. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Dreadful performance from Liverpool at Brentford. Obviously, a dreadful result to go with it, and one that Brentford absolutely deserved to win. And also, one that you're not greatly surprised about in terms of how Liverpool have played this season. I've mentioned over the last few weeks that Liverpool's fixtures resemble a basketball match, and the winner in the outcome of these games is much determined by who takes the chances at specific moments. Liverpool having such a lack of control within different phases of the game, moments within the game giving up big chances to the opposition, meaning that you're in the lap of the gods if you're to to fall on the the right side of the results. And very often, if Liverpool score in a particular moment, they may come away with results. But ultimately as well, if a chance is taken against them that they they cede to the opposition, then they come out on the wrong side. And and that's what Liverpool are at this moment in time. And they're unrecognisable from the team that we've been used to watching through recent years. So the fact that they've succumbed to the results at Brentford today is is not really a surprise. I've talked against Leicester that the main problem was Liverpool being played through in midfield, and that's been a case pretty much all season. I mentioned about 
Liverpool having you know decline in physicality in that area in terms of the age profiles of the players, but also that that cannot be the only reason as to why this has occurred. And there's tactically Liverpool are not able to position their players in allowing pressure on the ball, balance cover positions to stop these attacks taking place. And that that doesn't matter whether you've got the greatest physical players in that midfield or if you haven't. Liverpool have simply not been well organised enough without the ball. And it's so surprising when you see at such an elite level of organisation that they've had to achieve what they have over recent years. And like I say, it isn't just down to the the, the demeaning, uh, diminishing physical qualities of some of them midfield players in them areas. It's definitely a tactical and organisational issue. Meaning that I said in the last game, Naby Keita had to start for me. And this isn't a prime Naby Keita of his absolute maximum physicality. But how on earth he is not getting in that Liverpool midfield at this moment in time, which includes a, a number 10 or wide player in Harvey Elliott. It includes obviously... Thiago Liverpool's best player in that area and massively underperforming Jordan Henderson and Fabinho so again I was surprised to see that that wasn't the case that he was in the side for this particular game but having said all of that Liverpool were, were terrible and it wasn't just because of a midfield issue there was also an, uh, an issue when the ball was turned over that Liverpool the vulnerability that they had in the 1v1 duels was unbelievable, really, when you consider the the centre halves and have been acquired and and purchased to be able to deal with just them situations, being able to manage big big spaces, being able to cope in isolation one v one, and and every time Brentford were able to play a half decent ball over the top or an elevated ball, Liverpool either couldn't get first contact, the ball would break to Brentford, just totally unable to manage physically. And then when the ball was actually turned into space in behind, at times, again, they looked like they were treading water in them areas. And these kind of situations, with the ball being played through midfield or turned around the corner, which meant that Liverpool were either being able to be played through, as they have been in, in recent weeks, or on this particular occasion, being able to be played over, just caused a massive issue. Because every time Brentford had half, pardon me, not even half decent quality, just... I would say searching balls, then it created scenarios in which they could could ultimately score and decide the outcome of the game. Liverpool obviously also struggled from set plays today, which which hasn't been the case this season. So when you amalgamate all of them things together, the the wheels have fallen off in terms of Liverpool without without possession, and this has to be a coaching ground element. It, there's no there's no doubt about that. Listen, Liverpool look like they're a team beyond the peak and beyond the levels that they've been previously able to get to, both technically and physically. But that doesn't mean they should be showing this level of lack of organisation. Um, and yeah, I, 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 it's a hard, a really hard watch, like I said, for to watch Liverpool at this moment in time, because like I said in the last podcast, you, you don't have any confidence that Liverpool are going to acquire the results that they need, because in the XG performance it shows that they are a mid-table team and the chances they are creating combined with the chances they are giving up and, and that's reflected in, a, in how the games are playing out ultimately. Another big problem, I would say, is not just without the ball, but also with the ball. And what I mean by that is Liverpool get themselves back into the game today at 2-1. And for me, the second half was as disappointing, as silly as it sounds, as the first half because Liverpool then have a platform 
to be able to go on and pin Brentford back into their own half, dominate possession and ultimately create chances to be able to, to get something out of the game. And I felt Brentford cope with what Liverpool had to offer so comfortably. And one of the reasons for this is Liverpool's sole attacking function of play seemed to be, let's get the ball to Trent Alexander-Arnold and he's going to swing in across. Now, listen, you can say it worked for the goal. Trent Alexander-Arnold's got fantastic quality and when you get him into the right areas, he can really hurt you. But there has to be some thought process behind what you're doing. There has to be a, a mix of ways you can sustain attacks and, and, and deliver threats to the opposition's goal. Not simply funneling the ball down one side and producing the same action every time. I mean, sometimes... The, the areas that Alexander-Arnold was crossing the ball from were just unrealistic areas to be able to cause threat, despite even his quality. Liverpool had to be more patient. At that stage, I think they had 30 minutes plus left in the football match. And to be so rushed and reckless in the way they were, they were using the ball in them final third areas, keep the ball moving in that final third, wear down the opposition's legs, make extra passes, stretch the pitch... You know, go outside to then come inside. Try and find different avenues to be able to access the penalty area. And if you can't get in there straight away, then recirculate the ball and then start again. Too often, Liverpool were playing forward too quickly and playing balls that were easy to cut out or had an element of non-security to them, which mean that, meant that when the ball is then turned over, the opposition can win the ball back because... Ultimately, what you're doing is you're playing longer passes or you're playing more far-reaching balls, which means that your players are in advanced positions, more stretched, more elevated, that the, when the ball invariably breaks down, that means that the, the attack can't be sustained and the opposition can actually counter-attack. Now, Brentford were, were that poor on the ball in the second half. They couldn't even really manage that. But all they had to do was win a couple of balls because you knew it was going to create threat in Liverpool's backline because they were unable to manage them scenarios. But this is with the ball, because we always talk about without the ball, and I've talked about it a lot the last few weeks, but this with the ball issue is massively impacting the actual defending that Liverpool are able to execute because when you are too rushed, when you are playing expansive passes which don't reach their intended target and then you haven't got players behind the ball to offer protection and stop counter-attacks or stop the ball being played direct from the opposition. That creates massive problems. One of the great things about Guardiola's team is they're so hard to counter-attack against, they're so, so hard to hit. And the reason for that is they play short passes, which means that if the ball is then stolen by the opposition, which is really done, they're in a position to then protect, win the ball back, and then have a situation where they can suffocate the opposition in their own half and sustain attacks. Liverpool at this moment in time are trying to play forward so early and with such difficulty, the balls they're actually trying to play. If your main weapon is going to be Trent Alexander-Arnold and he's playing aerial passes, then the likelihood is so many aerial balls compared to balls that actually played over shorter distances or along the floor are likely to get cut out. And then when Liverpool aren't managing them physical duels when the ball's turned over and can't defend in isolation, again, you've got massive problems. So I don't understand. You know, I've lauded Klopp in terms of a, a new man, uh, a new, a new age elite manager who can uh, coach attacking functions of play in the final third, you know, pre-rehearsed, coordinated patterns and at this moment in time, it's almost Liverpool just going away from that whatsoever and relying on individual ability or you know, re relying on direct football, which is fine. You can play direct football, but there has to be a mixture to it. There has to be different ways. You can't just keep exploring the same way. 
and the same pass which is unlikely to be able to give you the best option of trying to score a goal, i.e. on the floor, to feet in, in which you've got protection in behind. So, yeah, massive problems both with and without the ball, which are both contributing, actually, to the way Liverpool, A, can't attack, and B, are vulnerable to the opposition when they receive possession. So, terrible performance, and one that I'm not surprised about. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's very disappointing loss at Brentford. Do we have to go behind in every single game? It seems that way, doesn't it? I mean, we make it very hard for ourselves. 2-0 down with two offside goals as well conceded in the space of just 42 minutes. Our first half was among the worst, probably the worst 45 minutes I've seen under Jurgen Klopp. Really just very, very poor. We just looked incredibly porous defensively. Thiago certainly not the force he was against Leicester. Fabinho not a big enough presence either. And of course those two are important defensively. Uh, up front, Salah was far too wide, and I think that made um, that made it difficult for us to to respond to what Brentford were doing to us. Um, more of Nunez a little bit later on. Trent not picking up clearly for the second goal. Uh, again, his positioning was lacking, not taking care of the man behind him. We've seen that so many times in the last twelve months or so. We were just so very vulnerable defensively. I know that it seems as if Virgil van Dijk was injured, but things got slightly better after he went off simply because I think John Matip was our best central defender on the night. Konate, own goal. Can't say too much about that. I mean, that was just one of those unfortunate things. Didn't know much about it, but he wasn't strong enough for their final goal and just got bundled off the ball and for a man of his size and his stature and the strength that we've seen him um, demonstrate previously that was a that was a big surprise I don't think it's a trend we need to worry too much about but on the night it certainly wasn't satisfactory um, in terms of the starting 11 I think it was the right call wasn't it to have Simicass at left back Andy Robertson hadn't performed in the in the previous game well enough um, Robertson as I've said several times before is is weak in front of goal and Simicas I think actually when he had that shot and he went near post rather than far I think that was probably not not too bad a decision Jim Beglin co-commentating for Premier League productions disagreed with me and so did Michael Owen in, in the half-time analysis but I thought actually he was unlucky not to keep the goalkeeper off guard um, but there you are. You know, I think when when Robertson, Matip, and Navi Keita came on, they all improved things. Robertson showed some urgency, and he clearly relished the prospect of being captain. You see, you saw him gathering the players and um, and giving them a, a good G up when when things were at one of several lows we had during the course of this game. It was nice to see players gathering around and. and and paying attention and respecting his his position of leadership on the day. Matip, I thought, was among our best players in in the second half, along with Naby Keita, who carried the ball forward a number of times successfully and um, looked a little bit dangerous on the edge of the penalty area. I wish he just had that penetration um, that he has shown before to just 
keep charging through the crowded box and see if he could have uh, put the ball away. But would it have made much difference? Maybe not. Um, I, I think I'll give you a, a Nunes watch simply because it's the only fun I got today. <laughs> um, when he rounded the goalkeeper and, and had the ball cleared off the line, that was that was very good on his part. I thought good athleticism, presence of mind to get round the keeper. Unlucky that the last man managed to get there in time to scramble the ball away. Um, the offside goal was very well taken, but it was offside, and that has been a factor for him this season. He's got to be he's got to be more careful of that. Again, worked hard defensively. The seventieth minute shot. Uh, was was the worst of him. We we all know exactly what he wanted to do. Uh, it wasn't the best option, and he dragged his shot across the face of the goal. But on the whole, positives from Darwin Nunez today, and uh, there aren't so very many positives that we can take away from this match. At Galasahi on Twitter, G U L A S A H I. Hello, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Feeling forlorn angered and a bit miffed that the words I would like to choose to describe Liverpool's appalling performance this evening are not broadcastable due to the apparently sensitive ears of the general public. In case you were wondering, some of those words rhyme with ducking, duck, trucking, truck, luck, plucking and bright. That's 23 points we've dropped this season so far after just 17 games, which is one more point than we dropped in 38 games last season. So while the English tabloids, such as the Daily Mirror, make shrill clickbait nonsense headlines that read, Liverpool dealt crushing blow to top four hopes, those of us who have followed our performances since the beginning of the season will know that today is not surprising in the slightest. At many times in the first half, so many of our players looked either goosed or lost or panicked, as well as both dazed and confused. You would think they'd been slipped something in their pre-match pasta. Brentford's second goal was particularly galling as Harvey Elliott tried that ridiculous step over. They got the ball, crossed it to the back stick, where Whistle was waiting, along with a couple of other Brentford players, all of whom could have had free headers. Whether their first goal was handball or not is worth mentioning, I think, because the angle that the VAR chose to judge uh, the situation was entirely inappropriate to see if that ball had brushed Ben Mee's hand before Ibu's unlucky deflection. However, the goals stood, they deserved it, and we found ourselves 1-0 down again. Infuriating. Their last goal shouldn't have stood, in my opinion, but at the same time, Ibu should have done better. We also should have done better with our finishing as yet again the wet fish were out and we struck the ball with all the venom of an angora rabbit. The only two positives from today were that, dare I say it, Nabi Keita looked really good 
until he gave the ball away for their third goal. And also Thiago Alcantara looks able to find a level of consistency sadly lacking in all those around him. Apart from those two, nothing. Zilcho zippity squat. With the transfer window open and us desperately needing at least two more players, we can only hope that today's Paul Joyce headline, reading that Klopp trusts his players and is happy with what he's got, is some kind of smokescreen because this is Owen from Cop on Podcast saying you would be utterly bananas if you didn't want to change things now. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.